traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Good afternoon, equestrians. We're trying something new here for the first time. Trying to get some video and things going here. See what happens with it. Uh, it's an experiment that um, we've been working on for a long time. And the guys at BBS have been real good to me. Uh, we're trying to get it done. Hopefully we can get something that will be good and, and, you know, go from here. Uh, that's what we're trying to do. Um, I hate to open the show with uh, some bad news. Um, we had an exercise rider die uh, at Keeneland uh, this week. Uh, unfortunate uh, accident that she had. Uh, her name was Kaylee Witt, a 20-year-old exercise rider for Joe Sharp. Uh, she had a horse that uh, threw her down to the ground, and she um, died of blunt, uh, blunt uh, uh, force injury. Uh, and it was uh, uh, she was a great exercise rider. Everybody loved her and really missed her, uh, you know, what she was doing. Uh, it, it was sad, but, uh, you know, uh, things like that do happen, so our prayers and uh, go out to her and her family and to all her friends and the horse people in the industry. And I'll hear this derby week, but that was it, Keeneland, uh, this week. Um, what we're going to look at today is that we're going to look at the Kentucky Derby. Um, the Kentucky Derby post and uh, Kentucky Oaks post positions were pulled uh, this week, and it made it very, very interesting uh, to see uh, what all was going on, um, you know, with uh, what's at Churchill, um, they're always uh, trying to make it a good product for the uh, customers and, and the, the people that are, are involved in the horse industry. And then they're trying to get it uh, good for the uh, betting public. And, and they've done that this year. And let me tell you, this uh, uh, derby is going to be one of the most wide open derbies in the history of the Kentucky Derby. Any one of these 20 horses could, could win. They've got the new uh, solid uh, starting gate, 20-stall starting gate. And uh, that means that uh, the gate is actually further out from the rail than it was in past years. Uh, in past years, uh, the, they had two gates. And the one, uh, the, the gate uh, where uh, positioned, if you came out of the one hole, um, you would almost run into the rail. Uh, it was five, six, six, uh, almost six feet to the inside of you. Now it's six feet to the outside of the rail. So the number one position is going to be a good position. And it's been a lot of years since a horse has won from the one position. And this year, uh, Todd Putcher has McDonagall um, in uh, the one hole. And he's got a good shot at it because he's a late closer. And when they all break, they're all going to try to get down to the rail. So he, it'll be a cavalry charge. And so he'll be able to uh, take uh, take back and just kind of stalk him along the way. And when they get to the three H pole, hopefully he's in position to where he can just take it on home to the finish line and stay close and on the rail. That's what he's hoping for. But um, it, it was it was a good post position pull. Um, we were really uh, uh, thinking that um, you know uh, the post position was going to play a big part in it, and it does. It, it's a big part of it. And that, that's one of the things that, you know, that you got to look at is post-position draw uh, for the Oaks and for um, and for the Derby. But uh, right now, uh, we're going to uh, 
talk a little bit here about the uh, Kentucky Oaks. Uh, it's going to be uh, an exciting race because there's a lot of good uh, fillies in there. And I'm telling you, my friends, it's going to be really good. And, and when I say good, there is five horses that could win this race. Uh, you know, I, I really was looking at Secret Oath is um, a nice horse uh, with Saez in the, in the uh, irons, uh, D. Wayne Lucas train. Uh, she ran third against the boys in the Arkansas Derby a few weeks back. And uh, she came out of the race real good. Um, D. Wayne said that uh, she uh, gained her weight back and, and she's feeling good and she's been going to the track every day. And uh, one of the things that uh, we have on uh, intv.org and, and it plays is um, the morning works. Uh, the last morning works was today, and uh, it, it came on at uh, 7 o'clock in the morning to 8, 8.15. Uh, it's, it's a great show to watch because they go behind the scenes, and you see all the horses on the track, and each horse is, uh, uh, you know, uh, you tell, you're told what's uh, being done with them, how they're doing it, why where they're from, who the jockey, who the owner, who the trainer is. Uh, it's amazing um, how they do uh, the things that they do uh, in the morning, uh, you know, for the, the consumer, for the horseman, everybody. It's always changing. Um, with technology the way it is today, it's changing. Me, for example, I'm so far behind in technology, it's uh, unbelievable. I need to have my six-year-old niece and nephews come over to get me started on on everything in the morning and all. But um, the, the Oaks uh, this year is probably going to be one of the best Oaks that we've seen in a long time. And, and when I say that, I literally mean it is going to be a great Oaks uh, this year. And unfortunately, it's my opinion that uh, they're going to have to chase a horse down from Todd Pletcher with Ortiz in the saddle. Um, her, her name is Nest. Uh, she she's a fantastic horse. She just destroyed a field, uh, a great uh, graded stakes field at Kingland here a few weeks back, and did it very easily. And um, they didn't ask her to do it; she just did it on her own. So that that was the exciting part about it. Uh, about that, um, she of course she'll be uh, against um, uh, Secret Oath, uh, which uh, finished uh, like we said uh, third in the in the uh, Arkansas Derby. And that, that was really a good race. But, um, you know, we'll just see how she fares out of this deal, uh, you know, with it. Um, I, got to, I got to thinking the other day that uh, this might be D. Wayne's last year off. Um, he's getting old, older, and he'll probably be retiring soon. Um, you know, this could be his last, uh, last Ocean Derby before he retires. And, and, uh, but that's secret oath, you know. Uh, her post position is one. Um, we have um, Nest with post position four, which I like uh, because um, she can let them get, go out in front of her and then she can track them down. And she is a stalker. She, she will stalk them uh, coming down through there. Um, we have uh, another uh, Todd Pletcher horse in there coming out of the five post right next to her is Goddess to Fire. Uh, this is a lightly raced horse. Uh, uh, showing promise, uh, getting better and stronger in, as they go, um, which I, I was really uh, amazed at the difference that I've seen in her since she left uh, Palm Beach Downs here this winter. Uh, we have Kathleen O for Shug McGahee. 
this filly is very light uh, and slight in build. Um, she almost looks, uh, you know, uh, like like a yearling, uh, you know, or a young two-year-old. Uh, but this horse can run now. And let me tell you something. Shug McGay, he can get him ready to run. He knows what to do and how to do it. And it's just going to uh, be uh, up to how that field breaks from the gate. If she gets beat up and banged around a little bit, it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough for her. It'll be tough for her. She'll be a late runner coming down the stretch, and Shug knows how to get them to finish and everything. So you know that's going to be interesting to see how they break from from the gate uh, with them. And, and again, uh, the Oaks is just like the, the Kentucky Derby. There's 15 uh, in the Oaks and 20 in the Kentucky Derby, and 15 is a full field. You know, for these fillies and mares, and you know, to go to go through, uh, you know, Secret Oath, uh, Nest. Uh, you know, we're looking at uh, uh, Kathleen O. Uh, those are three of the top horses in this field. Uh, another uh, horse that I like and lightly race is Cocktail Moments for Kenny McPeak, uh, coming out of the Eleven Home. Uh, we don't know much about her. She looks good. She's trained good. Uh, that uh, was. Uh, a good week for her, actually. And uh, then we have uh, Shamana uh, for Todd Pletcher coming out of the 13 hole. He's got three three horses in this race. And this looks like uh, Shamana uh, could be the upset horse here. Uh, this horse has really improved a lot. And every time she went to the track, she got more serious about what she was doing and uh, how she was going. And uh, I, I was amazed uh, the way she looked this morning. She She really looked good. Um, you know, so I, I was sitting there thinking that uh, I, I could go with uh, uh, with Nest, uh, Secret Oath, uh, you know, would be my, my two top picks. Um, I, I, you, I, I just don't know. Then Kathleen O uh, would be my third pick, I think. And then I think uh, Cocktail Moments uh, would be my fourth. But on the outside, I would put Shamana uh, to upset everybody as this thing goes. Uh, it's something else on uh, what they do, uh, you know, in this race. And it's getting down to the point where uh, the Oaks and all the races that are going to be uh, going on here in the next uh, few days, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. Um, it's going to be a jockey's race for one, uh, and so is the Kentucky Derby. Uh, the Oaks is going to be, a, 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 I mean, it's going to be a battle of jockeys. I think all these horses are fit in the Oaks. They're, they're good to go. Uh, they're going to be uh, pushed to the limit. And my my concern is, is if the speed goes out of the gate and that speed holds, you know, it's going to make it difficult on a lot of these horses that are closers that, that are coming in. And, um, you know, I, I just uh, really don't know much what to say about that uh, because um, <laughs> one of the things that's going to be uh, the key factor, this is the key factor. We can go through and handicap all these races, talk to all the experts. We can find out who they like, who they don't like, why they like them, why they don't like them, or why they do like them. Um, we can do that. Uh, we can go to the daily racing farm. We can do all this, uh, crunch all the numbers. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can do uh, to help us 
select the right uh, horses, both in the Oaks and the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, we, we can do that. Uh, one of the things that's going to be tough, and I just got the weather report in uh, today about 20 minutes ago, uh, the weather at Churchill is calling for rain tonight starting at 7 p.m. Uh, tonight and going through 8 o'clock Saturday morning, heavy rains at Churchill Downs for uh, tonight, tomorrow, and uh, breaking off on Saturday morning. Uh, the crew can get that track really good in good shape uh, when, uh, when it rains. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. Most of these uh, uh, horses that are in, in the Oaks, have never been on a wet track or a sloppy track, and that's going to be a big difference, uh, you know, uh, in, in the in the race itself. So, you know, like I said, we could do all the statistics, uh, we could do the whole nine yards, um, get every, all the, everybody's opinion, but when it really comes down to it, it's going to be tough. Now, I think Nest is, is a horse that, um, that might be uh, the horse to beat, and, and the reason I say that is is they got a lot of rain at Keeneland uh, a few days before um, Nest ran in a stakes race there, and she handled the track pretty good. The track was, I wouldn't say it was fast, but it was in it, it was in good shape. Uh, it wasn't muddy, you know, and there wasn't a lot of water on it. Um, but like I said, again, we don't know what's going to happen in the Oaks because of, of the weather situation. Uh, we know all these horses are fit. Um, they've come in off of good uh, races prior to the uh, to uh, the Kentucky Oaks, uh, and, and again, it's going to be a jockey's race. Uh, so now we, we we've determined that we can point the finger at the jockey. We can't blame the blacksmith, the trainer, the groom. Uh, nothing. We're going to point the finger at the jockey. You know, if your horse loses, if he wins, then it's the trainer and it's your selection that, that got him to win. So that's how we how we do that and everything. But um, you know, like I said, uh, it's all about post position. And for the Derby, uh, I was really uh, excited to see uh, the Derby come up the way it did. Uh, you know, it, it's a uh, it, it's a jockey's race again. It's a jockey's race. And the way I look at it, uh, you know, from all the things that we've talked about, and for a year now we've been following these horses on on the way to the Derby on how they get there. And a lot of these horses that uh, that we have uh, running in the last few months uh, have fallen by the wayside. They were really good horses. They're probably good derby horses, but they just didn't have racing luck. Uh, they got into big fields or they got into, uh, you know, a situation they couldn't get out of and, and everything. But, uh, uh, you know, now uh, the horses are prepared properly. Uh, they're ready to run. Uh, there's a lot of lightly raced horses in these field in this field this year. Uh, you know, we're looking at a horse like Charge at lightly raced. Uh, you know, very very lightly raced, and he, he's good, uh, a good horse. Uh, but we don't know what he's going to do when he gets in a 20 horse field. As as in the Oaks and, and the Derby, you know, you're going to look at over 100,000 people, and and they're on the inside of you, um, and they're on the outside of you. Uh, the, the way the seating is at Churchill, when you come down that stretch, you've got a lot of people on both sides of you, and, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough go because these horses have never in their entire racing career have seen anything like what they're going to see on Saturday. 
the races start at 10:30 in the morning, and then they uh, go approximately every 45 minutes right up until post time at 6:30. So when these horses get up on Saturday morning, they're going to go out to the track. Some of them will, and maybe take a light jog. Uh, some of the trainers might just keep them in the barn because of all the activity. And you got to remember, if they go out in the morning to jog, you know, at uh, 7, 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, there's people in the infield. There's a lot of activity going on. The TV uh, cameras, uh, uh, you know, all, all the people coming into to, uh, Churchill Downs. And, and that's tough. And, and that starts getting that adrenaline pump, you know. So it's going to be a tough decision for a trainer to decide whether to take the horse to the track or whether to, uh, you know, just walk him in, indoors, you know, in, in the barn. And let me tell you, even when you're in the barn, you still hear the noise. They've got a lot of activity, and, and it kind of, uh, uh, you know, gets them uh, thinking what all's going on. Uh, you know, they, they know something's going to happen. They know they're going to race, and, and that, make, that makes it tough. And, you know, I, I've been to the Derby um, 18 times uh, in, in my lifetime with, and worked for trainers that had horses in the Derby. So I've been down there, I've done that, and I've seen that. And I'm telling you, every year it was different. It was a different derby every year, different horses, different people. It, it was tough. And, and when you're in the paddock and you got all the people and the owners, you know, in the paddock and, and the crowd and, and the walkover, when you walk over from your barn, you know, you're looking at 15 minutes to get over there and get them into the paddock and, and get them, start to get them settled down before you put the saddle on them. Um, when you walk over, they see the crowd. They hear the crowd. Uh, they know they know that it's showtime. Uh, and when you get in the paddock and you start getting the saddle on, and, and you've got everything, uh, uh, you know, on the line, uh, you, you just hope everything uh, is right. Uh, you hope the horse is right. You hope the crowd doesn't get to the, to the horse. Uh, when they play the uh, national anthem, uh, the crowd roars. That gets the horses going. Uh, whenever the uh, horses are finished, crossing the finish line and racing in the races uh, undercard, uh, you hear the crowd roar. So you hear all these things, and it starts at 1030 in the morning, and it's amazing, you know, to, to how noisy and how loud it is that whole day. And, and like I said, the walkover, um, you start realizing, you know, what kind of horse you have. You start feeling whether it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, a good day or a bad day. If your horse is going to handle the crowd, the track, you know, what have you on there. And, and then the thing uh, that really gets you the most uh, is when you're walking out of the paddock and you walk through that tunnel and they start playing my old Kentucky home. Uh, when their people are singing and, and, uh, and, you know, it's just a whole atmosphere that, that charges you up and, and gets you going, gets you rolling, uh, you know, as a person. And then the horse and the, and the horses feel it in the person, and so it, it makes it difficult. And, and then when you get out, and, and the, you can't wait to get that horse out of the tunnel, onto the track, and get it to the to the lead pony. Uh, when they get get a lead pony next to them, uh, they calm down a lot, and they calm down a whole lot. And, and so it makes it uh, makes it a little easier for the horse and for the jockey to get warmed up. And then when you get your horse warmed up and everything, you've got them behind the gate, and they're walking around, 
uh, and when they get ready, to, the first horse goes and loads in the gate, you get a big crowd roar then. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's deafening. And, and all the horses that haven't loaded yet, you know, uh, are, are getting ner- more nervous and more excited about what they do, and they know it's showtime now. And, and then they start loading them one by one, and hopefully, hopefully, that they load easy and they all get in and get loaded quick. Uh, the worst thing in the world to happen is when you get out there and you've got a horse that, uh, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, freaks out, and, and, you know, or gets upset, uh, you know, and doesn't want to walk. Uh, you know, if that happens, then, you know, if you're in the gate, it's bad. And if you're out of the gate, it's bad. But it's better to be out of the gate than in the gate when something goes wrong. And, uh, you know, hopefully they don't have to unload the gate to get one calmed down. Uh, you know, to do that. Hopefully, hopefully they go in there and stand. And, and when you get from the first horse that loads into the gate, you're looking at three or four or five minutes uh, that he could be standing in, in the gate as they load him. Uh, you know, that, that that's, that's, a, that's a keg of dynamite ready to go off then and there. And then once they get him in the uh, gate and they spring the gate, it's a cavalry charge out at the stretch. Uh, you know, they, they say uh, in the derby, the first time you run down the stretch, that's your horse running. And, and meaning that, that, that physically and mentally, that's your horse running. And they're trying to find, a, you know, a good place to uh, uh, fall in line. Uh, they're trying to get in a position where the jockey can let the horse relax by the time they get to the backside. And the jockey can kind of plan out his, uh, his uh, you know, uh, quest for the finish line. Uh, do I make a move at the half mile pole, three eighths pole, to the head of the stretch? Uh, you know, how many do I have to pick off? Uh, are any horses backing up to me? Uh, you know, that, that's the things that the jockeys are looking at. And, and I know from firsthand experience, in 1991, uh, we had a horse named Paulus that ran in the Kentucky Derby. And we actually thought that we could win win the race. Because uh, he had run a mile and a half uh, three weeks prior to that in a, in a stakes race called the Franklin Handicap, and he won it by six lengths. And uh, let me tell you, we knew that we had the horse right then and there. So we get into the uh, into the race, uh, load him up at Churchill. He handled everything very well. They broke, and the way they broke, they were scattered all over the track. And he was trying to pick off horses right and left and trying to run down the winner. And, and he, he could, if he could have followed the winner down to the rail, I think we could have won the race. But he didn't. He couldn't get in because the hole closed up. And, and that's what the jockeys have to think about, you know, positioning themselves for the derby and where they're going and how they're going to do it, the pace of the race, um, if the track's muddy, uh, how much mud and dirt's flying in the horse's, you know, face. There's just so many things that they have to have to think about. And, and, you know, now that we're talking about, you know, the whole setup of the race and the way it went um, and the way it could go, you know, you got to think about a lot of different things, especially the brake. And, and once they're loaded in the gate, the brake is going to be crucial. And, um, the one horse that we have uh, into the uh, into the Derby, and he is a horse from Japan. And I'm telling you, this horse is a flat-out runner. 
Um, he, he can run. He can do any and everything uh, uh, that he's asked to do so far in, in the mornings. He, he's done that. Um, this, this horse is just unbelievable. He's breaking from the seven hole. His name is Crown Pride. He's 20 to 1 in the morning lineup. And he's good. Uh, they spend about an hour every morning with him on the track. Uh, they bring him out and they put him behind the gate and they do figure eights. Uh, they get walk him up to the gate. Uh, they might stand him in the gate. And they've done this every morning since they've been here with him. And they, like I said, they're spending an hour every day with him. You know, working him and getting him around crowds, different situations. But when, when he first got into Churchill and he went to the gate, and they broke him from the gate. He made a sharp left-hand turn. Why he did it, we don't know. The jockey doesn't know. He just made a left-hand turn. Because there wasn't a lot of people, you know, in the stands. Uh, there wasn't a lot of people on the inside. There wasn't a lot of horses in the gate breaking from the gate. So they don't know why he did that, but he did. And, you know, we don't know if that would surface again. Uh, you know, when you get that cavalry charge of 20 horses, you've got, you got to remember you've got 13 horses on the outside of you and six on the inside of you. And the six on the inside generally are your speed horses that'll come out. Then you have that, that initial rush, you know, of the inside horses. You have the rush of the outside horses cutting over to get to the rail and finding a spot. And you got to kind of figure out where you're at. You know, if you get, if you take back up from the seven hole, and you're going to have a long road to go because you, you'll go back so far, it, it won't even be, uh, you know, unbelievable that you could get up and, and run and, and, and close and, and win the thing. But this horse is a good horse. He, he's, uh, he's healthy. He's uh, well-schooled, uh, you know, but he just has these little quirks that uh, happen, and we don't know why he does that. And everything, and, and I remember back uh, years back, there was a horse called Arazi. Uh, this horse was—he was just a freak. Um, he would run with reckless abandon, out of control, and he was just like there was no tomorrow. And the jockey—he had everything he could do to stay on him. Um, Arazi was all over the place. He was screaming and hollering, and uh, you know it, it was just tough on him. But he was so fast that he got out in front of everybody. He, you know, it was hard to catch him. But I, I don't think that um, Crown Pride is like that. I think Crown Pride is a is a, a good horse, potentially great horse. Um, he's got a, a long stride on him. Uh, the jockey is really good. Um, I, I'm telling you, I, I think he he could be he could be the winner. And if he is, he's just going to, uh, you know, go for it. Or is he going to be like Always Dreaming was a few years back when you uh, take him back and then make one big run at him, uh, you know, to see how it is. Uh, that's going to be an interesting thing to see, you know, in itself with Crown, Crown Pride. Um, you know, it was a, uh, Epicenter is one that's getting a lot of people that are talking about. Um, you know, he's a good, solid horse. He's had a lot of good races. Uh, nothing really fantastic. He didn't really dominate anybody or any races that he was in, you know, but he did what it takes to uh, to win. And, and so that that's another thing. Epicenter is really good. Um, Mo Donegal for jo Todd Pletcher. Um, he's coming around. He grew up a lot here uh, this uh, this winter 
uh, at Palm Beach Downs. Uh, he, he, you know, he had some racing, bad racing luck, but he was good. Uh, you know, is he going to show up? If he shows up, you know, at the three-eighths pole, they might light him up. And he, he could run them all down. He, he's that kind of horse. His breeding's that good, you know, that he could do. Uh, uh, there's another horse that they were talking about, Summer is Tomorrow. Um, that's a nice horse, but lightly raced. Um, kind of a medium-sized uh, horse. Uh, kind of looked different every day that he went to the track this, uh, this past week. Uh, but he, he's a nice horse, lightly raced. Um, uh, Todd Pletcher has a horse called Charging, uh, very lightly raced, but uh, everything that he's done so far um, was uh, on his own. Uh, he did it himself. Uh, if he had to go around horses, he did. If he get stopped and get off stride, he he, he could you know run them back down. Uh, so you know he he's going to be a long shot, but but he he's one that could could possibly win it. Um, if he, he if he runs to his class, then uh, you know he he would be the winner uh, for what he's doing. Uh, but like I said, he's lightly racing. You know, you're looking at 20 horse field, the crowd. You know, you're doing a lot of different things. You know, there for him. And uh, he was also here with us uh, at Todd's barn this winter, and uh, he he did really good. Uh, he trained really really well. And, and the thing that I like about uh, not bragging because it's Palm Beach Downs. But what I like about it is the fact that uh, it's, a, it's a good track. Uh, Brandon Mills takes good care of it, uh, makes sure all of, all of the horses that, that are there, you know, have no problems with it. But it's just wide enough for two or three horses uh, to come out of, out of the gate. we got a good starting gate there, good gate crew uh, there with them. And, you know, they do a lot of different things. And uh, a lot of times, like with Todd's working a horse, uh, he'll work it in lane one. He'll, he'll send three out, and he'll have one, two, and three. And then he marks on the work chart that, you know, uh, charges that was in lane one, and he went um, 49 flat. You know, uh, he was in lane two and went 50 flat. He was in lane three, three and, uh, you know, went 48, we'll say. Just, you know, making up, uh, up the numbers and everything. So he, he always tried to figure out why. You know, that would happen. Was it the track? Was it the horse? You know, just what it was. And, and so th- there's a lot of things that go in when these horses work and, and all. So those are the things you look at. And again, like I said, uh, with this uh, uh, crown pride, uh, I, I think the biggest enemy he's going to have is the gate. And then the second uh, thing he's going to have to overcome is the 20 horse field. And then the third thing he's going to have to come over, overcome which is the most crucial is that stretch. Uh, you got to run that stretch twice, and uh, it's uh, it's your horse running it the first time, as we were talking about earlier, and the second time it's the breeding, it's it's the sire and the dam running running the uh, uh, you know to the finish line, and that that makes it tough. Uh, uh, you know you got to have the breeding in there. Um, there's just a lot of things that uh, you got to worry about. Uh, you know, uh, for for the Derby, uh, it, there, there's just so that wide Barrio, uh, which is a nice horse. Um, you know, he, he's lightly raced. Uh, he he didn't dominate anything. Uh, he's a nice, nice good horse. He, he's he's average size, I would say. Uh, again, you know, we're looking at a 24, 20 horse field. 
uh, cyber knife is really coming uh, around uh, here uh, lately. Uh, really doing really, really, really good. Uh, you know, he, he's there. Um, Zozo, um, he might be, he might end up being the, uh, the post time favorite. Uh, he, he could very well be uh, the favorite there. Uh, and he's starting to get a lot of talk and a lot of uh, uh, people talking about him now. You know, which which is uh, kind of different, you know, to see. Um, all of them are carrying 126 pounds. Uh, they all uh, have had to earn their points to get there. And what's going to be interesting is to see um, if the horses that have earned their 40 points, if if they uh, if they run well against the horses that have earned, like say, 100 or 100 plus points. Uh, and that is we were talking about earlier. Uh, this year, uh, how do you get your horse there? And how you get your horse there is running through all the required uh, races that uh, Churchill requ uh, requested of the trainers and owners to get enough points to get into the Derby and everything. And some of these horses have gotten in by coming a uh, lightly raced uh, point, uh, meaning that. Uh, uh, there might have been, uh, you know, some undercard races, uh, uh, you know, that they ran in that they had derby points and instead of having, like, say, 100 derby points uh, up for grabs in the race. They might only had 50 to where the winner would get 20 points or, you know, what have you. Uh, and then you get into races like uh, the Arkansas Derby, Florida Derby, where the points are, you know, uh, a lot of points are offered. And. Uh, you know, you go in there to secure your place. Basically, 40 points gets you into the derby. 40 points gets you into the derby, normally. Uh, and that's basically what happened this year. Uh, There's a lot of horses that got 40 points and they got in. But they were lightly raced. And so now you have to look back. Did I throw my uh, horse to the wolves by racing the big, the big races with the big points? Or did I hurt my horse by trying to race lightly and get into the race with just 40 points. Um, a lot of people don't think about things like that. Uh, you know, you, you see the Derby and, and you like the name and like the color, like the trainer. Uh, you know, there's just so many things there that uh, you have to look at, you know, uh, when you're going into the Derby. And, and like I said, um, this year, uh, the Derby itself, the, just the post positions alone, um, you know, were uh, unbelievable. Um, I think it came out the way everybody liked. I don't think that there's a trainer in this field that would trade his post position for anybody else in the field. Honestly, believe that. I think every trainer was really uh, uh, excited about it. Uh, you know, they know what they have to do. The jockeys know what they have to do. And, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what, what they do with it. Um, there's a Brad Cox has got a horse called Tawny Port. It's a nice little horse, uh, but I think it's just going to get buried out there. It's at post position 18, and, and it's not a closer, and he certainly can't take the speed, you know, to you know to to the front. Uh, you know, and that's going to be tough. Um, you know, Lucas has got Ethel Road in there from the outside, and when he won with winning colors. Um, she went to the lead, 
and never looked back. And they were running her down at the end, you know, but she hung on just enough to do that. He's in a position with Ethel Road where he can't do that. You know, you can't you can't go to the league. When, when, when you come, and this is my, my opinion, and, and my opinion only, and everything, I, I've got no reason other than uh, to tell you this. It's through the times and experiences that I had over those 18 Kentucky Derbies. And I'll be honest with you, I think that you're going to have to really work to win this race if you start from the... 10, the 9 or 10 hall out. I think you're going to have to really, really work for it this year. Now, in previous years, a lot of winners have come, you know, from, you know, the middle or to the outside. But I think this year, from 10 on out, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble because of the new gate. Um, they're all staying closer together. See, now, when they had the, the, the other gate uh, last time, it was in two sections. You had, uh, you know, the 12-horse section, and then you had uh, probably seven or eight, ten feet in between, and then you had a gap, you know, in the, in the uh, starting gate there. And so that gave a lot of people, a lot of horses on the outside, a little bit of an advantage because they could, like, take their horses back and, and fall in line, you know, and then kind of run them down. But this time, everybody's starting, you know, in the same gate, it's all a solid gate. It's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. So I think from 10 on out, it's going to be 9 or 10 on out. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough one. Um, that tis the bomb for Kenny McPeak. Um, he's a nice horse. Not uh, much is being said about him. Uh, he, he's a good horse. Uh, you know, he, he's just uh, fantastic. Uh, but who was he around? What did he do? How did he get there? Uh, you know, that, that makes a big difference. Um, are they going to bounce off the last race? Did the last race take a lot out of them? Uh, some of the horses are coming off, you know, a four, five, six, seven-week uh, layoff between races. Uh, it's been tough. Um, do you come out of Florida? Do you come out of California and, and go to Churchill, uh, you know, to uh, a week or, you know, 10 days or two weeks before the Derby? The weather in Kentucky has been terrible. Um, back on uh, the, oh, shoot, it was the first uh, weekend at Keeneland Open up there. Uh, they had rain, sleet, snow, got cold, you know, and then by afternoon and then racing in the afternoon, it was in the 60s. So, you know, there's a lot of things that these horses go through, climate change, uh, traveling, uh, water, um, differences and there's just so many things that happen you know to these horses so you know and, and like I tell everybody they said well you've been around the horses a long time what do you think I tell them just like I've been telling you what I say uh, I've got my own opinion I've got the horses I like the trainers I like the jockeys I like uh, I like the road that they got there to the derby how they got there uh, to the derby um, I like that uh, and everything but I'm telling you there, nobody can go in there and tell you, you know, this is the way it's going to go. And, and if you could, you know, or if anybody could, then they'd write a book. Everybody would read it, and everybody would win. But, you know, every year, every race, every day is different for the horses. And, and you got to remember that um, the thoroughbred horse, well, all horses, actually, 
are creatures of habit. They're used to doing the same thing day in and day out. And when you start getting them out of that element, meaning taking a horse from California, from Florida, New York, Canada, Japan, you're taking them out of their element, then they're not into that daily ritual, that habit. It's always different. Uh, you know, horses coming from California, three-hour time difference. That makes a big difference when you're trying to feed them. You know, if you feed them at uh, 4.30, like most horses, you know, horsemen do, uh, in the afternoon, somewhere, you know, late in the afternoon, and 10.30 in the morning, if you're on the East Coast, you know, you, you, that would be, that would equate out to being, you know, uh, 1.30 our time. Uh, you know, and so if you were bring from California and feed them at 1.30, they're missing three hours out of their day saying, where's my feet? You know, if you're coming to Japan, from Japan, you're looking at day and night difference, literally day and night difference. And so that's an adjustment they have to make. Uh, if you're coming out of Florida, you're looking at hot temperatures, uh, humidity. Uh, you know, uh, that's what you're looking at. If you're coming out in New York, Maryland, you know, Arkansas, you're looking at, uh, you know, cooler nights and you're looking at, uh, you know, sometimes a lot of rain. And, and that's a big difference on them. You know, so all these things that, that are different, uh, it's hard to judge, you know, with something like the Derby. Uh, you know, are the Oaks or any race that's going to be a Churchill announced? And that's why I think this year might be the best Kentucky Derby ever. Um, you know, it's got good horses, uh, no real outstanding standouts in it. Um, and it's going to be one to talk about. Uh, you know, we're going to have a favorite come out of the Derby. Uh, we're going to have an almost win come out of the Derby. We're going to have a bunch of horses that are coming out of the Derby that are, you know, were uh, running good, maybe just weren't fit enough or maybe just didn't, you know, uh, acclimate to, you know, Churchill. And, and then you're looking again, uh, you know, in uh, two weeks from Saturday, the Preakness States, the Black Eyed Sioux. You'll see a lot of these horses there again. But, um, you know, you'll, you'll know how many, how good a derby this was when you see how many of the horses run in the derby and then go on to Pimlico to run a shorter distance. Uh, you know, that, that's going to be something. And I, I'm telling you, I, I'm getting so excited, you know, uh, about the derby, about Friday. Uh, the undercard is really going to be good. Uh, in Churchill, they got three three-year-old races, and those were horses that um, – pointing towards the Derby, but didn't have enough points. So those three races would be good to watch. And the first race starts at 10.30 in the morning on Derby and A. Um, and uh, same for the Kentucky Oaks, I believe, um, that, that they'll have out there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. Um, the Kentucky Derby this year will be at 6.37 p.m. So it's a long, long day. You know, for the horses on Derby Day, you got a lot of races in front of them uh, to see what's going on. It's the 12th race at Churchill, 11 races prior to that. So uh, there's a lot of excitement going on from 10:30 to, to 6:30. Uh, you know, there. Uh, same thing on Kentucky Oaks Day. It's going to be really tough. You know, on these fillies, it's going to be really tough on everybody involved in. Uh, you know, to, to go with it. But I'm telling you guys, it's going to be good. 
um, if you uh, come to intv.org, NBC, YouTube, um, Facebook, uh, you can see a lot of these programs that are on there. And, and the reason that, uh, you know, we've hooked up with uh, YouTube and the racetracks and all the different people that we're doing uh, these things with is because it's about uh, distribution of information. And that's what it's all about. The more distribution you have of your product, the better off that you'll be. And there's all kinds of ways that you can bet on the Derby. There's all kinds of things that you can go to on our distribution information uh, links that we have on how to have your Derby party at your house. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people that uh, uh, get together. Uh, they rent a big screen TV. They put it in their garage. They put it out in their backyard. They have a big barbecue. They invite their friends over. And then I've got friends that are just, um, you know, one or two people. They get together. And, you know, they watch, uh, you know, the Derby and, and the Oaks and, and the three days of, uh, of the Derby. Uh, today at Churchill Downs, uh, it's called Thurby. And Thurby is uh, a takeoff of the Derby and the Oaks. And it's basically for the locals. Anybody can go. But all the locals uh, in the southern Indiana, uh, Louisville, uh, Jefferson County area, what they do is they get together, they get their hats on and their dresses, and just like they were going to the Derby, and they go out to Churchill Downs and they go for a day of racing and, and all the activities that are there uh, that they have, uh, you know, and, and it's not quite, a, there's not 100,000 people there a day, and, and so it makes it kind of nice because you can get out there and really enjoy yourself, and then tomorrow, they'll probably have 75,000 people there to, to watch the Oaks. And then that'll be over 100,000 on Derby Day. And that's rain, rain or shine. Rain or shine, cold or hot, they'll be there. And so that's what they call Thurby. And there's a whole 10 days of Kentucky Derby activities. Uh, prior to the Derby, they've got the balloon race um, there. And they have sometimes they'll have maybe 25 or more balloons, hot air balloons, that they race. Um, they lift off of the fairgrounds in, in uh, Louisville. And they... Uh, uh, no telling where they land out. Uh, one year at our farm over in Lanesville, Indiana, uh, we had three of them land out in the field. Uh, you know, so they, they go off. They might go north, south, east, or west. You never do know where they're going to land at. But it, it's always good to go see. Uh, they have the great bed race uh, where companies and corporations uh, get together uh, at uh, uh, derby time, and they have a bed race. And what basically what it is is it's a, full-size bed. It's got handles on it, and they've got a, a, an employee from the company that sponsors the bed at each corner. They've got, uh, usually they put the CEO or the president of the company up in the bed. They're all in their pajamas, and they have a race down uh, uh, Broadway uh, there in Louisville. And, and, you know, it's things like that that they do there. Uh, they have the um, Pegasus Parade which is a great parade. It's not like it's not as big as the Rose Bowl or Orange Bowl, you know, or Cotton Bowl uh, parades, but, you know, or Macy's. It's a great it's a great parade, and, and the kids love it, and, and, you know, it's something good to see. The Steamboat Race, um, where they have a, a, the Bell of Louisville will take on a, another competitor. Um, they usually like the Delta Queen or uh, Spirit of Cincinnati or you know, it's been quite a few different uh, boats over there that they would compete against. They're steam or paddle weavers. And they go up uh, to 
uh, six miles up the up north on the river, turn around, and then they come back and, uh, and uh, race to the uh, 65 bridge there in downtown Lowell. And, and that's always exciting because people line the banks and they get to watch it. And, you know, it's it's good to go to. Family, kids love it. Uh, there's no charge to go to it because uh, you can go anywhere on the banks and you can watch it. And then, and then one of the nicest things that, that you'll ever see in your life is um, what they call Thunder Over Lowell. It's one of the largest firework uh, uh, shows in the world. It lasts close to an hour. Uh, it's just unbelievable. And all day long, starting early in the morning, they have an air show. And they have everything from uh, small planes and helicopters to uh, combat-ready uh, uh, aircraft from our Air Force and from the Navy and from the Marine Corps and the Blue Angels. Uh, you know, they have ones like that. They have all the old World War II uh, airplanes, uh, combat airplanes that, that come in. Uh, you know, then they go up to the big bombers, to the stealth bomber, and, you know, and the B-52s. Uh, you know, it's a great day, you know, especially for the kids because there's always something that's going over overhead, some type of, a, you know, airplane or aircraft, you know, that are there. And, and then, of course, you have all the restaurants uh, usually have some things going on. Um, they got like a chili cook-off that you can go to. Uh, they got uh, all kinds of booths and things downtown Louisville, you know, that you can go to uh, called the Chuck Wagon, uh, you know, that they have. And, you know, there's just so many things that uh, that you can do here, uh, you know, at Derby time. But, but when it gets down to it, you know, everybody says, oh, well, you know, it's about the horses. No, it's not about the horses. It's about the tradition. Uh, of, it's about the tradition of the Derby, of the Kentucky Oaks. It's about the tradition at Churchill now. Uh, you know, uh, the legends that are being made. The, the, there will be legends being made there. There will be superstars come out of the Derby this year. And, uh, you know, it, it's just going to be uh, an unbelievable uh, finale the next two to three days to uh, go to... Uh, uh, you know, to Churchill and see all these things. And, and, you know, it's just kind of hard to explain until you've been there. And you would, ha- you might be doing Derby things now. I've never been to the Kentucky Derby or to the Kentucky Oaks or to Derby Week. But if you go experience one time, then when you go back home, even if you can't make it to another Derby, you still have the the knowledge and the feeling of what it's like to be uh, and participate in the Kentucky Derby, you know, and that because that creates a tradition. And traditions is what our country needs now. We need the tradition, you know, to to come be brought back to the public and, and to the country of the Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, the Breeders' Cup, um, you know, the the tradition of uh, uh, the racetracks opening. Uh, when I was a kid, um, it was great. We always remembered. Well, you know, Keeneland opens up uh, the 2nd of April. So it was kind of a thing to, like, be at Keeneland on opening day and closing day. Or Belmont, you know, or Santa Anita, or Del Mar. Uh, you know, there's so many uh, traditions that are there. Um, you know, like singing of my old Kentucky home. Uh, the mint julep, the hats. Uh, you know, you can literally create your own tradition and be a part of the Kentucky Derby, even though you're not at the Kentucky Derby. But I, I would really suggest, if you can, 
try to get there. If not, you know, come to our website, um, go to, um, you know, KentuckyDairy.com. Um, you know, they have a lot of uh, suggestions there. Uh, go to ChurchillDowns.com, and they'll tell you about all the activities that are there uh, that you can participate in, uh, both at home and, you know, at, at the track. You know, and now's the time to start planning for the 2023 Kentucky Derby, just so you can get hotel rooms and you know get your, uh, um, you know your plan uh, uh, made for the 2023 Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, and I would suggest, uh, you know, that you could go see a lot of things. Uh, for example, the road to Kentucky starts to the Kentucky Derby uh, for us, uh, and how in our program that we have called How They Get There. That actually starts with the uh, Iroquois states at Churchill uh, coming up uh, uh, this fall. And then you have the Breeders' Cup, and then you get into all the big races in Florida, Arkansas, Kentucky, uh, New York, California, Europe, and and Japan uh, to do that. And so it all starts around really quick. And I'm telling you, on the way home from the Kentucky Derby and on Sunday, there will be people talking about the two-year-old races that are starting to run, and who do you think will be in the Derby next year? What trainer, what on? That's how fast it goes. And then by the time you get to August uh, at Saratoga and, and you get into the fall for the Breeders' Cup, nobody's going to remember who won the Kentucky Derby because they're talking about all the horses that are going to run next year, you know, in, in the Kentucky Derby. And so the whole point that we're, you know, that I'm trying to get across to everybody here is that um, it's going to be a great race, both for the Oaks and the Derby, uh, 15 in the Oaks, 20 in the Derby. Uh, any one of the two races can be won by any one of the horses in there. Like they say, it, it's a, uh, you know, it's a horse race. And, and that's, that's uh, what it's going to be. Um, uh, you know, kind of recap a little bit. It's going to be a jockey's race. Hopefully the trainers have got all the horses ready to go. Hopefully the horses load easy, and you know they'll they'll adjust to the crowds, and they'll be able to handle the crowds. Um, no matter what the track is like, they'll be able to handle the track, whether it's fast or muddy. They'll be able to do that. So there's a lot of factors in there, and a lot of hopeful things in there. And, and I'm telling you, when it comes down and that jockey gets the leg up, and they start playing Mile Kentucky Home. It's a whole separate ball game right then and there. And I had a lady ask me one time. It was really funny. Uh, she said, "When you're out there and and you're talking to the jockeys and you give them a leg up, what do you do?" And I said, "Well, I said for me personally, I said I've never raced a horse. I've never been a jockey. So all my years, I tell them, hey, here are the keys. It's up to you. You do what you got to do and what you think you need to do." And I can't complain about that. And not really many trainers can complain about it, uh, you know, because it's a whole different ball game. And it's kind of like, a, you know, an offensive coordinator in football or a quarterback in football. Uh, you know, they make the call. And that's what you got to let your jockey do. you got to let them make the call. Uh, you know, either they're a hero or a zero. Um, you know, one of the two things that they'll do there. And so th- those are the th- things that you got to think about. Um, there's just so much about the horse business uh, that we would like to get out here by, um, you know, about the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, we're, we're 
talking about uh, all kinds of things here at IEN. Um, you know, we've got horse sales, but we've got horse shows, and we get the three-day Rolex. Um, you know, we've got horses, horse sales from all over the world. Uh, you know, we've got uh, polo. Uh, we've got a little bit of everything, but again, here we're about distribution. And what we like to do is we like to get a hold of people and get involved with people to help them with distribution of their product. And, and I don't care whether you're a small outfit, a one-horse stable, you know, or a huge uh, international uh, farm, uh, show horses, race horses, standard bridge, whatever. Uh, if you call me and look at my website and see what we have there, it costs you nothing to get on there. Nothing, not a dime, not a dime. And we're going to try to build up our viewership and our listeners so that it will be beneficial to all the people that are on there. Uh, for a good example, like veterinarian care. Uh, we want to talk to uh, veterinarians about their practices, what they do and where they're at. Uh, we want to talk about uh, tax shops, uh, where they're at. Uh, nowadays with tax shops, uh, you can drop ship anywhere in the world. Uh, you know, come on and let us know what kind of tack you have, where you're at, where where you can, uh, you know, get products to. Uh, we have hallway feeds there with us. And uh, the great thing about hallway feeds is, is they're international. They're out of Lexington, Kentucky, and they're international. They can take the feed that you're feeding your horse at Keeneland or Churchill, and they can ship it all the way to Japan. And that horse never gets off the feed that he is used to here in the States. He can go to California. He can go to New York. He can go anywhere in the world, and hallway feeds will feed in the same feed. And that's important. That's important to horses, that they stay on the same feed, that they don't, you know, get off their feet, as they, as they say. So that's what we're looking at, you know, to do with, with our programming. Uh, we've got sales from all over the world. Uh, you know, we have uh, harness racing from all over the world. Uh, we have a little bit of everything for all the horsemen, whether you're one horse stable or, you know, you're an international corporation. Uh, that's what we want to do. We want to hear your story. We want to be able to promote the things that you do. Tell us your experiences. And, and I'm telling you one thing right here now, we're getting close to the end of the programming. And this is one of the things that I try to tell everybody. Uh, and I get this from uh, my coaching career and from this life in itself. Like I said, I've been in 18 Kentucky Derbies with trainers that I've uh, worked for. I've been around all the big horses, all the big races. And I'm telling you one thing right here and now, my friend, it's the memories that you make along that journey to each event. You will talk more about the journey than you will the victory itself. You'll be telling stories about so-and-so said this or so-and-so did that. You know, I had a flat tire here, but I got there five minutes before the race. Um, I had a great, you know, food. I had Kentucky Burgoo for the first time. Uh, you know, all these things, the memories you make, they can never take them away from you. The mem it's about the memories in the horse business and life itself. And you never get a chance you know, to go back and relive that memory, all you can do is make new memories. And that's what we ask you to do here when you come to uh, International Equine Network. Join us, let us know who you are, and let us make some memories with you so we can share those memories with the equestrian world.
This has been Scott Miller from the International Equine Network. Get ready for the run for the roses and for the lilies for the Kentucky Oaks. Kentucky Derby is Saturday, 6.37 p.m.